0: first point guard and blazer beat writer mike Richmond. you're listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts today's episode we're continuing our week-long focus on the best team in blazers franchise history if you missed the first one of these still available for in your feed it's called best team in blazers history just go back one but I think generally both of these episodes are going to function like bottle episodes. You won't need to have listened to one of them in either order. So if you're listening out of order, that's totally fine. There are no rules here on Lockdown Blazers. The only rule is that enjoy is that you should enjoy it. So if you're enjoying it, good job. But what we're doing this week across the whole Locked On Podcast Network is the best teams in franchise history for every team in the NBA. So if you want to sort of visit other great teams in the history of the league, every other Locked On NBA show is venturing down a similar path. Probably not in the same manner I'm doing it, that's the beauty of the network. But every team in the league, we've all got Locked On shows. Every team in the league is represented by a Locked On show and every team is is being covered their best team in franchise history, so you can check it out there across the network. But for our purposes, the best team in Blazers franchise history is the 1977 championship team. I think there's other contenders. In fact, in the previous episode, I listed out uh, nine other teams that would have been considered, but I don't really think it's, it's debatable. I think this is the best team in franchise history. I think... There's a lot of teams battling for number two, maybe three or four teams battling for number two, and then a handful of iterations of teams that could lay claim to the somewhere between the fourth and tenth best team in the history of the franchise. But the number one team ever, the best team ever, the only champion the Blazers have ever fielded, that 1976-77 squad featuring Lionel Hollins, Bobby Gross, Dave Twardzik, Bill Walton, Maurice Lucas, Corky Calhoun, Herm Gilliam, who am I forgetting? Johnny Davis, Lloyd Neal, Larry Steele, coached by Jack Ramsey, the greatest coach in the history of the franchise, in large part because of what happened this year. What happened this year was that they cruised through the Western Conference playoffs, swept the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and came back from a 2-0 deficit to beat the Philadelphia 76ers in the 1977 championship. But what I want to talk about in this first segment is where it started. And where it started was, it's kind of hard to maybe pinpoint the origin of these things. It probably started in the ABA dispersal draft when the Blazers landed Maurice Lucas, who was the best power forward in the, in the ABA, and Dave Twardzik, the pinball, a guy who ended up shooting over 60% from the field during his championship season. That is not something I knew until I started doing research on this team. The known for sort of uh, getting into the paint and pinballing around, the diminutive Dave Twardzik was uh, incredibly crucial on this team on the wing. So perhaps the origin of this team, the origin of of this team being so special, they had never won more than 38 games. they never made the playoffs. uh, The Blazers were founded in 1970. So the first six seasons of the team, they were not good. They were just, this was an expansion team doing things that expansion teams do. But, you know, they had Walton and adding, obviously, a a star next to him in Lucas and, and filling out the rotation with, uh, quality players including towards from the aba was was sort of the key to this to this run but but the origin for my money starts in downtown portland at jake's famous crawfish a place that still stands downtown portland at least for now at least as i'm recording this jake's crawfish still exists famous for having a uh At one point, a live aquarium in the basement where you could go down there and see your crawfish before they cooked. So the origin of this team, the origin of the championship, and we'll get to the championship in the second segment, the aftermath. But I want to say it starts in August of 1976. Maurice Lucas has just joined the team in the ABA dispersal draft. He is itching to get to know his teammates and he wants to get to know walton the blazers best player a star at ucla a a famous person honestly uh he was famous in college he was he was a real celebrity but lucas didn't want to know him because uh walton was you know friends with jerry garcia he wanted to get to know walton because he was the best player in this team he was about to join so bill walton invites maurice lucas to dinner and uh mo luke is going to join walton and herm gilliam i don't think i mentioned gilliam in the roster rundown herm gilliam also on the roster but walton invites him to join him at jake's famous crawfish in downtown portland and and they are immediately have a camaraderie they're hitting it off sharing jokes and stories and developing the early stages of the camaraderie that would define this team and kind of the sort of things that they point to and why they won the championship is because they had developed this camaraderie, but it wasn't just that they were friendly. It was that Lucas had an air of confidence about him, and as Walton was going to leave dinner, they're standing out front of the restaurant, out on the street corner, and Bill Walton had a broken hand at the time, the story goes, and Maurice Lucas grabs his hand, squeezed it like he was going to, you know, break the bones in his hand again. These are two, you know, 6'10", 7-footers standing on the street corner in downtown Portland in the summer of 1976, and Lucas looks at Bill Walton, he says, we're going to win the championship this year. And Walton says, according to him, he said, are you kidding this team has never made the playoffs. This team's never won more than 38 games in franchise history. This team has never sold out more than half the house. And Lucas locked eyes with him and maintained that gaze, squeezed his hand even harder, and said, We're going to win the championship this year. And that's it. That's the origin of the Blazers' championship. Maurice Lucas's unshakable confidence on the street corner outside of Jake's famous crawfish in 19... in the summer of 1976, August of 76, before the season starts. Walton, years later, will go on to call Maurice Lucas the greatest blazer of all time. It's not true, but I think it speaks to Walton's respect for Lucas and what made this team so good. And in a lot of ways... Maurice Lucas's confidence epitomized what was going to make this Blazer team so great. He was incredibly tough and incredibly confident in his abilities. So when the Blazers were the third best team in the West, they were unshakably confident. Down 2-0 in the NBA Finals against Philly, Maurice Lucas gets into a fight and gets ejected in Game 2 and then goes over and offers an intimidating, peace, quote-unquote, peacemaking handshake. To begin Game 3, a turning point in the series authored by Maurice Lucas. First for basically squaring up and trying to fight Daryl Dawkins. And then for this dramatic peace offering handshake. The story goes that maybe Daryl Dawkins was mad at Dr. J and and the rest of the 76ers for not having his back. Whereas the Blazers had each other's backs. And they were rallying behind this fight. Whereas the Sixers were kind of like, hey, why, why did it go that way? And it went that way because Maurice Lucas was the enforcer and he took no BS. He wasn't going to back down from anyone. And he believed from the moment he arrived in Portland that this team was a championship-level team. So for me, that's the origin of the greatest team in the history of the Blazers franchise. It starts at dinner and it starts with Maurice Lucas's unshakable confidence. In the second segment, I want to talk about what happened after the championship. This is where the championship started there on the street corner in August. It ended... In June 77, I want to talk about what happened immediately after the horn sounded and the next day in Portland, the uh, Blazer Mania taking its full shape. But before I do that, I want to tell you about My Bookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at My Bookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with My Bookie. If video poker's not your thing, MyBookie's still got you covered. They've got a host of live casino dealers online. That's right, they have professional dealers at their tables live on site 24-7. Even if your favorite squad is sidelined because of the pandemic, MyBookie has you covered. They've partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can even wager on the shifting odds of political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. So, visit mybookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA and receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to 750 bucks. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked on NBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. So we talked about the origin of the Blazers' championship. A story that probably draws a little more credence because of how the season ended, but I love I love the idea of Maurice Lucas just squeezing Bill Walton's broken hand and telling him that they're going to win the championship. And then going out and delivering. it. But what I want to talk about, it's not the 76-77 season or even the playoffs. i We recapped the playoffs in the previous episode. Like I said, you're listening to these out of order. Go back, bless, best team in Blazers history. We've got to run through what made this team so good, game by game, essentially. But I want to tell a couple more sto- stories, because I think the stories make this team. The personalities, in a lot of ways, make this team. But also just Portland in the 70s. Uh, sort of makes this team as as the backdrop for, for, uh, what, what is the best team in, in franchise history? An outpost in the Northwest. So let's talk about the chaos. You know how the, you know how it ends. Blazers down two o in the O two in the NBA finals come back and win four straight. They win game six in the Memorial Coliseum. Uh, Philly has three chances in the final 15 seconds that, uh, that could have tied the game and sent it overtime. The final one misses George McGinnis gets a really good look at it. I don't know what Maurice Lucas is doing on that inbounds play, but McGinnis gets a really good look at it. Ball comes out, Walton tips it away. Johnny Davis runs down the ball, the, the loose rebound. And then when it's over, when the buzzer sounds, it just all hell breaks loose in the, in Memorial Coliseum. Uh, There are two gentlemen climb up on the, stanchion climb up on the and they're standing on the rim there's pictures of them on the rim you know waving their shirts over their heads there's great images of uh bill walton kind of wading through a sea of fans to try to get off the court at the end and and uh in the in the locker room afterward there's reportedly there's just fans like who have spilled into the locker room it is full-on chaos and here's my favorite story from that chaos there's just you know, champagne spilling. They're doing interviews right in the right in the locker room. In those days, it's not like there's like a uh, setup like there is now, where they bring people out for a press conference, bringing the TV cameras into the locker room. I guess they kind of still do that, but it's not the same exact way. But uh, there's just there's fans in there, so there's just it's totally a chaotic scene. And Lionel Hollins, who's a point guard on that team and then a longtime NBA coach, um, he's he he has a memory of getting into the locker room and just seeing as many fans as players is in there and he's 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 kind of like okay this is chaos and he goes to leave and when he's walking to his car in the parking lot of the memorial coliseum there's a guy wearing his jersey wearing the lionel Hollins game jersey as as he leaves and Hollins realizes that this dude has gone to the locker room and taken his jersey but he doesn't do anything about it instead years later this is after, this is like 2003 and Hollins is uh, the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies and, and uh, has been in the league, you know, basically since then, but is, is 40 years removed from the 35 years removed from the championship. He sees that there's a guy selling his game worn game six of the 1977 NBA finals game worn Jersey on eBay. So Hollins reaches out to him and says, yo, I'm, I'm Lionel Hollins. That's my Jersey. And, you know, Hollins is, is well. He's well paid, well compensated. He's, he's an NBA coach. It's a it's a multiple comma salary, and he says I'll pay whatever price you want. And the fan, according to Hollins, says, "Give me an autographed jersey of Jerry West, and you can have it for free." Well, Hollins had worked for the Clippers for a little bit, worked for the Grizzlies when uh, Jerry West was involved with the Grizzlies, so he had a connection to West. I mean, he probably a connection to West just by virtue of being in the around the NBA for 35 years. But in any case, Hollins tracks down Jerry West, gets him to autograph a jersey and sends it to this eBay dude and gets his jersey back in like 2004. Incredible, <laughs> the incredible chaos to take you 35 years to get your jersey back. I love that scene. I love the idea of that scene. I love someone going into the locker room and sort of the chaos of of NBA Finals. Now there's so much crazy security. It's hard for me, a credentialed media member, sometimes to get in the locker room without someone grabbing my tag or whatever and looking at it. Um, There's places in the arena now, uh, you know, when the Blazers made the Western Conference Finals this year, there's places in the arena you're just not allowed to walk. They close off things. So the idea that fans would be that the chaos of moral coliseum which is a tiny little building now in 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 comparison it wasn't it wasn't necessarily then by nba arena standards but the idea that you could just sort of spill the 150 feet from the stands back to the locker room seems very believable to me uh and if you know there's 15,000 people in the building 11,000 people in the building uh i i, I can only imagine the other types of chaos between guys on the rim and guys stealing jerseys that were going down but the other story from this sort of twenty-four hours that I want to share is that the next day is the Bla- is the championship parade. So they're having an afternoon parade. It's in June. It's you know perfect weather. The photos from this uh, Google Blazers championship parade they're fantastic. Uh, the Oregonian has a ton of really excellent ones. I think even for sale. But uh, the there's reportedly half a million people who come down to the championship parade there's people spilling out of skyscrapers they're lining broadway and downtown portland uh there's there's fans that you know guys are riding through in cars and convertibles kind of in waving you know now they're on like these double-decker buses but then they're on these like you know old just open-air convertibles and there's fans jumping on the convertibles and they're dragging on the ground but uh the story i want to share is so so holland's leaves right and Bill Walton leaves the arena that night and he's they're partying and whatever. And and Walton says that he kind of, it's kind of blurry for him leaving the arena. The game ends. It's all, it's all, uh, it's kind of blurry. And the next thing he remembers is waking up at Lionel Holland's house the next morning. And according to Walton, Lionel Holland says, hey man, we got a parade. We got a parade today. And Walton goes, what do you mean a parade today? We're going to the championship parade downtown. This is a, uh, you know, who knows the validity of the story, but very believable that Bill Walton uh, might not might have partied a little bit and not really had no idea that there was going to be a championship parade. Something that seems, from my, you know, three or four interactions, I've, I've had one long-form interview with Walton where I sat with him for about an hour and a half, but in my interactions with him, uh, it seems pretty believable that this type of thing would not be on his radar. So, when Holland says, yo, we got a championship parade, he says, cool, I gotta go get my bike. He hitchhikes across town, which I guess in the 70s in Portland was a totally easy, believable thing you could do. Grabs his bike, bikes to the parade, which is in downtown Portland, to get in the car. And while he's there, his bike gets stolen. The great mystery of time is who stole Bill Walton's bike? Who on earth could ride a bike for a seven-footer? Walton had another bike, or got a bike, his bike back, because by that summer of 1977, he's like he rides to the Oregon coast with a with a newspaper reporter. Uh, there's there's even video of it in this great Blazers documentary, Blazers Fast Break, of him riding out to the Oregon coast and ordering. This is unrelated to the championship parade, but a great Walton story nonetheless, where he he goes out and he's uh, rides to the coast. You know, it's about 70 miles from Portland, maybe 80, between 60 and 80, and. Uh, he orders this just insane breakfast in the film that's like three pancakes and uh, oatmeal and bacon and eggs. It's it's fantastic. So Walton, avid bike rider, wakes up on a basically on his friend's floor on his friend's couch. Realizes that he needs to go get his bike. Rides to the rides to the braid and gets his bike jacked. Just an incredible, an incredible story. And I think these stories, these personalities, these this, the kind of lore of this team add to why I think it's unquestionably the greatest team in franchise history. I wanted to share with you a couple of these stories. What I want to close the show with is talking about the great one-time champions in NBA history. So that's what we'll do to close out the show. Kind of put these 77 Blazers in context of the other one-time champions in, in NBA history. Till locked on, Blazers. To the past first point, but I'm still Mike Richmond. So we shared some stories, the Blazers' origin and some chaos after the game, after the championship ended. But now I want to kind of flash forward to talking about where the Blazers, where this Blazers team sits in the pantheon of one-time NBA champions. So there's been 43 champs since 1976. Uh Importantly, this, like I've mentioned a couple times in this episode, uh, this is when the NBA and ABA merge. So now there's by nineteen the seventy six seventy seven season. There's twenty two teams in the league. The ABA has folded. Um, the best players in that league have joined the NBA. It's not exactly the modern era just yet. That probably doesn't come around until the eighties when Bird and uh, Bird and Magic revive the the sport. Basically, after the nineteen eighty draft, nineteen seventy nine NCA championship. But this is kind of, this is the the post-merger world, and there's been 43 champs in the post-merger world. But mostly it's the same teams, the, the Lakers and the Sixers and Jordan's Bulls and even the Pistons of the 80s, the Rockets of the 90s, teams that win championships seem to win several. So by my math, there have been 10 one-off champs. Now, before we get too deep into it, I didn't include the 99 uh spurs or the 2014 spurs because to me that's just the duncan era he just happened to be doing it for 15 years obviously those teams are very different um the even the 99 team is different from the by the time they win it again in 03 you get you get it but let's let's just for for the sake let's say there are 10 one-off champions of all time the 1977 trailblazers the 1978 washington bullets the 1979 Seattle Supersonics, the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers, the 2004 Detroit Pistons, the 2006 Miami Heat, the 2011 Dallas Mavericks, the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers, and I guess the 2019 Raptors. Um, it's hard for me to say exactly how that works, considering we may or may not get a, 19, a 2020 season and if they you know if they get back here in the next three years they're probably stricken from the list but for now the 2019 Raptors because they lost Kawhi and Danny Green and they're going to be regardless they'll be it'll be a different flavor and I I don't think they're going to win championships so we don't have to worry about it too much but I said in the previous podcast that I think this was the Blazers were sort of a dynasty in the making that got cut short uh, if Walton doesn't get injured in 1978 and basically an injury that, that sidelined him for four years, uh, he just, his, his feet never got right. And he it, it took until about 1983 until he was really back uh, to being a regular NBA player. And by then it's, it's, you know, he's, he's older and it's closing in on the end of his career. He wins the ends up winning six man of the year in 1985, but uh, this, he, this was his peak and it was kind of taken from him. And I think if he had been, this, he you know, won the MVP in 1978. If he's an MVP caliber player, this Blazers team is probably in the championship or right around championship level for four or five seasons. They're very young at the time in 77. They're a great what-if. But for my money, they're the second best one-off team of all time. The best one-off championship of all time is the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers. They had Julius Irving, They had Maurice Cheeks, Andrew Toney, and Bobby Jones. Four all-stars. And they acquired that summer league MVP Moses Malone from the Houston Rockets. The Sixers were overshadowed by the how good the Celtics were in the 80s. But I think this is the best one-time championship team in league history. I would put the Blazers second. That Blazers team was fantastic. During the regular season, even though they finished third in the West... They were the second best offense of the league and the fifth best D. That is a cha- that is a championship flavor, right? Two uh, top 5 offense, top 5 defense. Of the others, it's hard for me to really put the 78 Bullets and the 79 Sonics in context. You know, these teams played each other in 78 and again in 79. They're both extremely good. Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes on the, those Bullets teams. Jack Sikma, D- Dennis Johnson, Gus Williams on the '79 Sonics teams. Uh, you know, S- Sikma was a monster, one of the best rebounders, and 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 just a would be good. He's like a would be good in any era. I kind of feel the same way about Wes Unseld, a rebounder, an athlete would have been good in any good in any era. Um, Dennis Johnson obviously went on to have a great career with the Celtics in the '80s. Hard for me though to really just because of where they happened in my lifetime, and that would be well before it started. Hard for me to put them in context. The 79 Sonics were the best defensive team in the league. They were league average defense. The 78 Bullets were 10th on offense, 9th on defense. These numbers courtesy of basketball reference. And I I don't want to make the argument that these stats mean anything, but sort of like if I'm ranking these uh, one-off champions being the best defense in the league during the regular season has to be has to mean something like that those numbers have to mean something to me but i don't i can't tell you for with real confidence that i can put them in, a, in sort of a meaningful ranking but beyond that i think the 2016 calves are the third best uh one-off championship team of all time that might be recency bias it might be lebron james bias but i think this was a I think this Cavs team with LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love was as good a team as we've had in the last 10 years. They just kept running up against the Warriors who were the best team we've had in the last 10 years. The reason that the Cavs are a one-off championship team is because, they, A, LeBron left. My guy likes to leave. Uh, and also because they just you can't overcome how good that Warriors team was. The next team ranking the one-off teams is the 2004 Pistons. This team made six consecutive Eastern Conference finals. They made the championship again in 2005 and lost to the to the Spurs. But this team, which traded for Rasheed Wallace at midseason and changed their cha- their trajectory from a, a really good team to a elite team, to a championship team. Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Tayshaun Prince, Rip Hamilton, the 0-4 Pistons are your fourth best one-off championship team of all time. Next on the list, I'm gonna put the 08 Celtics, uh, the only dynasty to ever win one championship. You'd think the way that people remember the uh Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Celtics, the Boston three party, if you will, that they were a multi-time champion. No, they won one. They went to a couple. Um, you know, they lost in 09 in the second round of the playoffs, got back to the uh championship in 2010 and lost but the 08 Celtics I think they're your fifth best one off team of all time sixth I have the Sonics seventh I have the Bullets I can't really speak to them too much I've I've watched a lot of sigma highlights in my time a guy I love I've uh Wes Unseld is kind of like a someone I wish there was more of on YouTube because I think he's he's someone as a rebounder and outlet passer I would really love his game but they're ranked there Listen, if you're a listener who who knows more about these late 70s teams, hit me up. We'll talk about them. I'll bring you on the podcast so we can talk about the uh, 79 Sonics and 78 Bullets. After that, the uh, the next team on the list is the 2006 Miami Heat. This was the end of Shaq's great greatness, um, the end of his run of being a really good NBA player, and the beginning of Dwayne Wade ascendancy I kind of think Dwayne Wade's overall career is a little bit overrated but I think his peak is underrated I think peak Dwayne Wade was um, maybe the best player in the league very briefly Uh, certainly right up there in 2009 Um, and he with you know the help of getting to the foul line a lot and the refs willed the heat to this victory over the Mavericks in 2006 next on my list 2019 Raptors this team was just really good um, I think a lot of people think that they kind of like got ca- the sort of, there's some sort of bias that they got Kawhi and he kind of willed them to it, but their trick was that they had really good players. Fred Van Vliet grew up somehow during the playoffs, uh, maybe cause he had a kid and that like unlocked his superpowers. Kyle Lowry has been really good. Um, he just w- would shoot bricks when he played against LeBron James, but he's, he's probably the greatest Raptor ever. Apologies to Vince Carter and DeMar DeRozan, and I'm glad he got that championship run, but. P- Marcus all incredibly functional. Danny Green, one of the great role players in the history of the game. Go Tar Heels. Uh, Sergi Ibaka, incredibly functional as as another big man. They just they they were just really good. That was their secret: is they had a bunch of good players. Speaking of a team with a bunch of good players, my last team on this list, and I I kind of wavered where to put them. I, I I didn't exactly know where to put those 08 Celtics and the 06 Heat and the and the, and this last team, the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. I don't. This team just wasn't that good during the regular season. It was just that when Dirk caught fire for six weeks, he was the best player in the NBA. I think they were better in the playoffs than they were during the regular season. They were a matchup nightmare because they had depth. You know, in the second round, Peja Stojakovic just absolutely destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers, and then when they played the Oklahoma City Thunder, he wasn't athletic enough, and he got benched, and did not play for the rest of the of the playoffs, basically. I don't think Jason Terry as a second-best player, I, I just, there's seemingly everyone on the list has a better number two than Jason Terry, not to diminish his career, but just in terms of of, of you know, Jet was a, a good player for a long time, you don't play 15 years in the league and, and contribute the way he did on those te- on at the level he did without being good, but he, as a number two, he seems like a, a pretty big drop-off number two compared to the rest of these teams. I think that's an important characteristic. Who was is, who is the number two guy? I think Dirk as the number one guy is pretty elite. Uh, a lot like Kyle Lowry, and not in the same way because I think Dirk's an all-time, all-time great and Kyle Lowry's an all-time good, but Dirk getting his moment in the sun here. So there you go. I wanted to run off the, all, the one-off champions. The Trailblazers are the second best one-off champion of all time. I really wanted to do this to highlight how rare it is that teams win NBA titles. People who wear Lakers jerseys win NBA titles. Guys who play with Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan win NBA titles. Having Steph Curry or LeBron James helps you win NBA titles. There are so few teams that that break through 10 times one-off champions in 42 seasons, 43 seasons. It is so rare. The 1977 team, what they did was so rare. So appreciate it. I hope this, these episodes this week help you appreciate, if you're not familiar with this team, how good they were and how special they are and how much they mean to sort of Blazers basketball culture. If you are familiar with this team, I hope this was a fun, nostalgic trip down memory lane. That's going to do it for this episode. It's going to do it for the, our look at the best team in Blazers history. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.